Welcome to Bunny Hugs and Mental Health, the podcast that deals with all things mental health. We talk to professionals, survivors, and loved ones about their sometimes informative, sometimes uplifting, and sometimes tragic stories. I'm your host of the show, Todd Runnebaum, advocate, recovering addict, experienced sufferer of depression and anxiety, and author of the children's book, Sometimes Daddy Cries. Hello, I'm Todd Rennebaum, and welcome to another episode of Money Hugs and Mental Health. I know this episode, I promised you that Tristan DeRocher would be our guest. However, I am waiting till next week to actually release that episode. This week, the provincial budget came out, and so I thought it was, uh, kind of took priority. Uh, this week, in this episode, I'm speaking to Jason Meckerty. He is the director of Prairie Harm Reduction in Saskatoon. Jason's been waiting to hear about the about the budget because he was hoping to get some funding for the safe consumption site that uh, Prairie Harm Reduction runs in Saskatoon. It's getting tons of public support from uh, Kinsmen. Um, they've donated $40,000. They have small businesses donating uh, all types of money. They have the public donating all types of money. So last year they got... Uh, no money for the funding for the consumption site and because of all the public support and all the kind of the hype going on right now about the consumption site in Saskatoon he was really really expecting actually not just hoping but expecting some uh, funding from the provincial government in this year's budget so he's been waiting you know on baited with bated breath for the last year uh, so the provincial budget came out this year uh, about two days ago, April 6th, and unfortunately, once again, zero dollars is going to the consumption site in Saskatoon. So because of the timing, I thought it was only appropriate that uh, I released this episode this weekend. So I sit down via Zoom and talk to Jason about the budget and about his services and about all the wonderful things that uh, Prairie Harm Reduction uh, offers people not just in Saskatoon, but in the province. Jason and his team are very hard workers, very passionate people. So because of that, uh, this interview is, it does get very emotional at times. Uh, so as a warning, there are some moments where there's uh, adult language. So just a fair warning. Um, one more warning, I guess, about this episode. Um, I've been advocating for almost five years for mental health, so I too am passionate and uh, I can get emotional at times. Um, so, you know, yeah, we kind of rant a little bit. Um, but on a personal note, 10 minutes before I was to interview Jason, I got a phone call from my father who informed me that uh, a cousin of mine uh, took their own life. They were on a waiting list to see a counselor for about five or six months, and uh, that alone would have got me uh, pretty pretty upset. But the fact that a day before that, the budget came out, and um, there was a lot of a lot of things in the budget I didn't agree with. Let's put it that way when it comes to mental health and addiction. So th there's going to be times in this interview where 
I'm going to seem a little flustered and so is Jason because of just because of the circumstances and the timing. So anyway, keep that in mind and enjoy the interview. I really enjoyed talking to Jason. He's a great guy. So without further ado, Jason McCurdy. So I'd, I'd like to know a little bit about your backstory and how you got into this type of work to start with. Yeah, so I, uh, um, you know, I'm I'm originally from up north. I grew up in Larange. Um, you know, I come from a mixed race family. My mom's full Scottish, uh, you know, first gen Canadian, and my dad's uh, Métis and Dene, and um, you know, grew up mixed race in the north and uh, early or late '80s, uh, early '90s, and 2000s. Um, you know, I love Larange. I, you know, my family still lives there, but um tough town to grow up in for sure you know a lot of fights uh, a lot of drugs a lot of alcohol um Mm -hmm. you know and i got uh, i had some pretty serious mental health issues uh growing up a lot of anxiety i have a lot of learning disabilities um you know i dealt with a lot of racism uh growing up and that type of stuff tends to wear on you um and you know i witnessed my first overdose at i think it was 14 or 15 at the time um you know had had a couple friends that were pretty vocal about their suicidal ideation. So you just see kind of like all these issues all the time and not to mention um, the racism when you come, especially when you come down south up north, it was a little easier to ignore. But um, when you came down, when I came down south, it was, it was right in your face. And so, um, yeah, I came down here for school uh, in about 2004. Um, before that, I moved out on my own at... I think it was 15 or 16 um spent a number of years bouncing around at a you know a couple that basically took me in for about a year and a half uh shane and debbie delaney uh you know they basically kept me alive and kept me out of trouble and treated me like their kid and it was pretty good for me but then uh ended up moving down south and that's when the you know alcoholism really started to take over and then because i had a lot of untreated mental health issues and uh, some trauma from growing up and, you know, uh, it took me about 10 years to deal with that. And, you know, luckily I've been doing pretty good the last, you know, five, six years, but, uh, you know, you never know when you're going to have a slip, I guess, but, um, yeah, I've been doing not too bad. And I've been working, I worked in mental health for six years previous, um, the Prairie Arm Reduction. I ran homes for people, adults with mental health disabilities and, um, developmental disabilities and, you know, really, really liked working with people like that. And then um, decided it's time to move on from the agency I was working for. And I, um, you know, a job came up at uh, what, we, what, what we were called back then, 8 Saskatoon, we're now Prairie Arm Reduction, but a job came up there and a friend of mine took me out for, you know, a drink and basically said they thought I'd be a good fit. And I've been here ever since. And now we're going on, you know, eight and a half years uh, with the agency. Um, you know, I, I think I'm, pretty good at what I do and started as the support services coordinator um, you know trying to get that department up up uh, to a really high level which you know I think we achieved and then eventually I got made associate director and then got uh, voluntold as executive director and uh, yeah I've been I've been executive director now for about four and a half years right on um can you maybe talk about some of the services that uh, Prairie Harm Reduction has? Because I think a lot of people just understand it as a 
place where people go and use drugs and that's it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So we're, uh, we're, um, you know, we're the only safe consumption site in Canada, which is what everybody knows us for. And that's really like a 10th of our budget. If that, um, really the big thing that we, we do is we have a drop-in center, uh, that caters to people who use substances. Uh, people can come in, they can access public phone. There's a TV there, there's coffee, there's a public washroom. Um, you know, we have, um, safe sex supplies. Uh, we have support workers. We have a lot of support workers, uh, at our agency. Uh, we have two departments, one support services. They run their, they run our take home naloxone program, our peer support program, and our systems navigation for people, you know, for income assistance, health, our advocacy wing, uh, they do a lot of the advocacy work. And then we have on the other side, our family support program. And, you know, they work with uh, a lot of families in the city that are at risk of having their kids apprehended due to various issues, whether it's substance use, poverty, homelessness, domestic violence, whatever. And, you know, this team of majority women go into the hardest hit places in the city and uh, make sure babies and mamas are safe. And if they're not, then we get them to where they need to go. And we have a really good working relationship with the Ministry of Social Services. Um, you know, we... Uh, we're, we're a trusted entity and we're kind of known for getting, getting stuff done and working with people that nobody can work with. And so those are our two main programs. Um, you know, we, we also do a lot of public education, uh, um, a couple of highlights from our agency for the past number of years is we did Canada's first indigenous language condom campaign. Um, uh, we, we were co-founders of Canada's national HIV testing day that, uh, we started with the Friendship Center right here in Saskatoon, um, and then within within uh, three years, we had a national HIV testing day. Um, we we've done advocacy with things like uh, we had a youth overdose in Kilburn Hall. Um, They're denied medical. Uh, They're denied any type of medical interventions. Um, we took it to a coroner's report. Uh, Julia, who is our outgoing director of support services, really quarterbacked that one into a lot of the heavy lifting, if not all the lifting, but uh, with, with the lawyer. But, uh, you know, we got recommendations in place and thankfully no youth have overdosed and died in Kilburn Hall since then. Um, we've written re rewritten policy for the government of Saskatchewan so that people on income assistance can uh, earn more money. Um, we were, 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 were responsible for most of the expansion and the rapid rollout of the take-home naloxone program in, in Saskatchewan and then of course we we've done the province's uh, only safe consumption site so um innovation's the name of the game um you know if you're not first you're last uh, <laughs> we really we really like to be pushing pushing boundaries in terms of what people think is possible in Saskatchewan um you know because all we see here is raw talent and um we see a lot of people that care and we see a community that does amazing things when they come together. And so that's kind of been our, our big focus is, uh, is trying to mobilize the community to around this really avoidable situation that we're dealing with, which is record HIV rates and record overdose deaths. And so, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's not an easy hill to climb, but for some fucking reason, it's the hill we chose. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I think, um, yeah, we're we're in it for the long haul. Yeah. Well, I I'm I don't really know you at all, but I'm very proud of all the work you've done and all the work that your your staff has done. I didn't Did you say you were the only safe consumption site in the country or in the province? 
We're the only one for sure in Saskatchewan, and I argue that we're the only one in Canada because we're the only place in Canada that has a legal safer smoking room. Oh, I uh, see. It's, uh, it's the mode of ingestion that most people um, can't offer, and the majority of people can't. Uh, any safer smoking facilities that we've seen in other parts of Canada um, you know, is basically a tent out back. Um, we based our site off of Lethbridge, they were operational. They were actually the, the first, uh, but then they got closed down by the Kenny government because the mm. Kenny government's attacking arm reduction left, right, and center out there. And uh, ironically, they closed the day after or the day before we opened. And, mm. um, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's crazy what's happening in Alberta. But I also forgot to mention the reason that drug pipes are available in Saskatchewan. So in any needle exchange in the province, uh, somebody can also get... Um, uh, crystal meth, uh, safer smoking kit, which is a crystal meth pipe and, uh, or a crack cocaine, uh, smoking kit, uh, which is just, you know, a crack pipe. Um, and the reason people can get that in the province is because we, we wrote the policy recommendation and did all the cost analysis and anybody who's addicted to drugs, um, you know, they, nobody knows how to inject the first time mm. most people would smoke if it was available. And, and if you can keep them away from injecting, that means you're, you're not going to be creating um, a higher chance for HIV transmission. And right. so the um, majority of our folks are starting to move to smoking. And even BC right now, they're trying to scramble to get as many smoking sites up and running because they're seeing that majority of people that are dying from overdoses are people that are smoking. And so because they can't come into the safe consumption sites or the safe injection sites or the overdose prevention sites. And so, you know, I think it's something we're, we're really proud of. Definitely we're on the shoulders of giants with Archers and Lethbridge, but, uh, you know, right now we're kind of the only ones in the game. Hmm. Your hours of our operation, they're only nine to five right now. And you're Sorry. trying... Sorry. Yeah, our, cons- yeah, our consumption site operates from 10 till 4. Oh, okay. And then our our outreach services go till midnight. Um, and right now, where are you getting most of your funding from to to offer all these amazing services? So all our outreach for services are funded by the by the province for the most part. Okay. Um, but our consumption site, one hundred percent, is funded by donations and our merchandise. So we have a clothing line. Uh, fairly successful clothing line that we we've done two rounds of we're about to launch our third on april 22nd uh our first one we sold out in like a month our second one we sold out in six hours Damn. so I, i'm like legit hoping our website doesn't crash <laughs> uh but you know we we got an innovation grant through the um for, through the canada community foundations uh community foundations of canada they gave us a an innovation social innovation grant and so we're we're pretty excited because we've been able to expand the the clothing line for this launch and we're we're pretty hopeful that we're going to be able to make uh some some real money on this yeah um who does the your your social media posts uh because i i follow you on facebook and i mean some of them are really great and some of them are really funny and it's just a really good uh whoever's doing it's doing a good job Thanks. That's me. Yeah, I do our social media. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I have a buddy that every once in a while he'll send me a flurry of memes, and I'll I'll use I'll use some. Uh, he goes a little hard in the paint, though, even for me. So, uh, I, uh, but for the most part, uh, yeah, it's it's me doing the videos, me doing the memes, me doing the articles. Um, you know, it's a 
it's a lot of work, but it's a good way to engage the public, uh, especially during COVID. Yeah. Um, people can't do much. So a lot of people are on social media. So uh, we had a media strategy that we ramped into gear when we realized we were going to have to go into fundraising. And, you know, I think it's been really successful or, you know, our Instagram followers, I don't know what we're at now, but we, we started the year just over a thousand. I think we're close to approaching eight right now. Facebook, we've gained over, you know, a couple thousand followers. Um, Twitter, Twitter was a little slow out of the gate, but, uh, you know, since the government cut our funding, we've probably gathered, you know, 500 some followers extra. So, um, it's been a good way to engage the public on, on these files and kind of bring the community together uh, when they see these unjust things happening in Saskatchewan. You're right. And that's Prairie Harm Reduction on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, it, we're recording this April 7th. It's the day after the provincial budget came out, which was April 6th. Uh, and you found out that you are getting $0 again uh, from yeah. the province. Yeah, we got, I got a swift kick to the dick yesterday, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we found out we were getting nothing, which was shocking, especially because their own internal documents showed that they, we were going to save the money, we were going to stop people from tying, and we weren't going to increase crime. And so these are Ministry of Health reports. Um, these aren't prairie harm reduction reports. And so, uh, you know, we thought it was a win, um, especially the fact that we can take a lot of the burden off the emergency room and the ICUs and... Like, I think right now during COVID, it, it, people re are realizing how much that fucking shit costs. Yeah. You know, and, and we, we, we saved the government a ton of money by even operating during the hours that we were. Like, yesterday during the budget, we were shut down yesterday because we are getting an air conditioning unit uh, installed in our consumption site. Shout out to Boss Plumbing. if you, <laughs> uh, they, they do us a solid. <laughs> and, um, but uh, we were closed just for, like, you know, the day. And we had, uh, we had somebody overdose in the alley. And... You know, the fire truck had to come, ambulance had to come, they had to take the person to the hospital, all that shit. And so the costs just are skyrocketing, man. And like the government's announced like uh, a half a year ago, you know, that they, they were increasing money for the ambulance because the ambulance needed to get more cars on the road to deal with the overdoses. Mm -hmm. So they're funding more ambulances, they're funding... You know they're funding more treatment centers which is great like uh, i think sometimes people get this false perception that harm reductionists hate treatment like i i live an abstinence free lifestyle but i know that's not for everybody and not everybody's ready and this is not the fucking 80s where you can be like okay well eventually they'll come around they'll hit rock bottom they're coming around no what's going to happen is they're going to fucking die uh, or they're going to they're going to overdose and they're going to get a ton of brain damage from lack of oxygen and then then what are we doing with them you know and uh like it's just it's just really not okay what's happening across this entire province and you know Regina and Saskatoon are definitely taking the major major fucking knocks on this but um you know we're we're grateful for Niwo Yoten and in Regina and you know they're they're going to be stepping up and opening soon and yeah you know we got it we got it's clearly in the community hands we got to we got to take responsibility for this cuz the response from the provincial government is identical to the AIDS crisis in the 1980s and the 1990s where they just were saying we don't know what to do but they knew that back then all they needed to do was get better safe sex education in terms of condom access and you know and, and pushing the pushing the the treatment the medication uh, um, antiretroviral treatment for mm -hmm. people living with HIV and offering it early or not when they went through the studies and Right now, that's really what we're asking for uh, is basically the same. The best safe consumption sites are this generation's condom. Like we need, uh, 
we need um, we need them available uh, widely uh, because people just like people are gonna have sex people are gonna use drugs everybody in this province knows somebody that uses drugs and if you think you don't you you're just in the dark yeah um, drug use is so so prevalent in, in Canada like and it's not just you know it's not just the alcohol and weed and coffee and tobacco it's you know MDMA Ritalin Adderall uh, cocaine uh, crack uh, crystal meth like there's a lot of people that use a lot of substances in this province and uh, nobody seems to want to talk about that fact and then or if they do like with this government budget that announced that they're half a million dollars for an awareness campaign fuck give me five grand I could give you a way better campaign than you're going to develop for half a million (laughs) and I could run my consumption site Um, you know and so uh, we don't need an awareness we need we need the public to be aware of this issue but like i guarantee most people in saskatchewan are now aware and if you ask them why they're aware it's because of prairie harm reduction yeah so it, it feels like a bit of a missed um it feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity in the budget to send a clear message that they want people to not die and it seems like they've sent a pretty clear message that they're comfortable with the amount of people that are dying and and it, this, they keep saying, oh, I wish we could do something. Well, you, you fucking control the purse strings. You could absolutely do something. You're choosing <laughs> not to do something. So let's let's be clear on here. You, you are choosing not to fund uh, the consumption services. And, you know, I, I, I think that that's going to be a black mark on people's souls. Like when you have the ability to stop people from dying and you don't lift a finger, that's, that's, not, that's, that's not good. And that's not the way I think Saskatchewan is. Like, you know, I talking to my grandpa who came over in 1906, like it was, it was everybody helping everybody. And that, that's such a Saskatchewan way. And then to have a government in power, uh, to say there's nothing we can do or we're not going to help you is, is absolute madness. It's, it's just, it goes against our, our values as a province on every level that I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand it because I know, I know a lot of the people in government, these they're good people. I know a lot of people at the ministry, they're good people. So let's just do the right thing. Like, let's just do the right thing. How much do you think, uh, their decision is based on, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ideology. Yes. Thank you. Political ideology. It's a hundred percent an ideological decision. There's when their own documents show that it's, we're saving the money, we're saving them lives. We're, we're not increasing crime rates. Like, what what else, what other reasoning is it? You can't tell me it's a financial decision because, like I said, we're gonna save the money. Yeah. Um. Like. Yeah, it's. Frustrating. Yeah, I would. Lo- I'd love to hear the reason other than oh, I wish we could do something. The budget was tight. The budget ain't fucking tight. You, you're you're eating up. You're, you're there's a two point whatever billion dollar deficit. The budget ain't tight. We're spending. So why aren't we spending to keep people alive? Well, there's the. Well, I didn't write it down here. God damn it. I hate when I come up with good things to say and I don't write it down. <laughs> yeah, no worries, man. Oh, here it is. Um, so since January 20, 2020, 450 lives have been lost, either confirmed or suspected due to overdose. Um, but they've only put it... So that's since COVID started, really. And they've only yeah. put another $250,000 to address increased need to addiction services as a result of COVID impacts. So they know COVID is impacting o- overdoses and everything. And they put 
a quarter of a million dollars? I mean, that is nothing. Yeah, no, it's it's a joke. One of the big things they announced uh, was these mobile needle exchange services in Regina, Saskatoon, and Prince Albert. Those services, they already exist. Like they, These are services that have been in place sometime, in some communities, like in Saskatoon, for 20 years. So we're, and then, so that, okay, it's enhanced. There's already a mental health professional. There's already a medical professional. They're already doing needle exchange services. They said, well, we'll probably be doing drug testing. Okay. Well, tell anybody that has a drug habit that they have to hold on to their drugs until the van arrives in six hours and it'll be there for two hours. You need to hit it in that two hour window to get your substance tested. It ain't fucking happening. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's just. It's just weird that that was announced, especially like, like, so in, I don't know about Regina and PA, but in Saskatoon, for instance, where's the highest need for harm reduction services? Pleasant Hill by a fucking mile. So in Pleasant Hill, you have the Tribal Council Needle Exchange, you have ARC Safe Consumption Site, and you have the Westside Clinic, which has by far the biggest methadone patients in the entire province, mm-hmm. like the list. Uh, there are doctors and nurses and mental health professionals very well equipped to deal with that. So... We don't need harm reduction. We don't need more needle exchanges in Pleasant Hill. We have the tribal council right there. Mm-hmm. So where are they going to put these, where are they going to put this van, uh, this new van apparently in, in Saskatoon? They're going to have to push it into the Riversdale Business Improvement District. Good fucking luck getting that through them. They're going to have to put it in the Downtown Business Improvement District. Good fucking luck getting that through them. The Broadway Business Improvement District. Fucking, I'd like to see some Eastside yuppies be okay with the needle exchange parked on Broadway. Yeah. And then the, the 33rd street business improvement district, like this, the, 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 like, did they ask any of these business owners or the bids if this was okay? No. Did they ask any of the health officials if this was okay? No. Did they ask any of the CBOs that work on the front line if this was okay? No. So zero mm-hmm. consultation went into this. It's mm-hmm. going to create a bunch of issues around there because there's no complementary services. The thing that everybody has been saying is that you need complementary services around these types of services. We fucking have that at our location. We have that better than most places in the entire country at our location. Not to mention that we come with a million dollars in outreach for follow-up immediately after people are done using this, the consumption services. So... You know, and, and then on top of that, there's no there's no money to increase needle pickups in these neighborhoods. Our agency's put in over 100K in the last year and a half to pick up needles in the neighborhood. No thanks to the government, who clearly is not interested in doing that. You know, and, and it just causes more stigma in the community when people see more improperly discarded needles. Exactly. I, I, well, just by not making this a priority for them, it's, you know, making the stigma still alive and strong. I work at uh, Pine Lounge uh, Treatment Center in in Indian Head, and we had a fire around Christmas time. We tried to move to a new location. We got basically chased out of there from their town council. They didn't want us in there. And I mean, I'm not on the board, and I'm not a manager, but as far as I know, I've heard nothing from any minister or the government or anything trying to help us open again. Yeah, and so like these new treatment beds, they are announcing basically they're not new. They're like, it's not like we have more treatment beds because of what happened with your guys's facility. Yeah. And so, you know, like, yeah, it's, uh, this budget was definitely a carbon copy of the previous years, which was really confusing. And I think like 
we had a lot of hope because they created a whole ministry mental health and addictions to deal with this file. Yeah. Nothing that we saw in the budget is going to, is going to stop more people from dying. Like we're going to still see the same rates, um, or you more. know, like, or more. Yeah. And so what measurement, uh, and then some of the language around them was so insulting, uh, to people who lost family members where they said, uh, we feel like our interventions have been successful and our investments have been successful. And it's like, okay, if, if that's the case, then what measurement are you using? So do you view it as a success that you have a record deaths for overdoses or a failure? Yeah, because exactly. that should be a failure. That should not be a, a mark to say we're doing a good job. You know, it, it just, it was, it was so shocking. Like I, I was literally shocked and it takes a lot. I've been doing this a long time. And we've been told no on budgets before, but this, this felt like a slap in the face. So you were surprised. Oh, very. Yeah. We were very surprised. Um, Mm. especially because we have such good public support, like businesses support us. Um, you know, we've had at this point, we've had close to 3000 donors. Um, you know, and like, uh, from across Saskatchewan, our clothing line sells out fucking faster than we can deal with it. Um, well, how quick did you raise that 80 grand? Oh, uh, like that was, it seemed like two weeks you were able to. Oh yeah. With the Kinsman. Yeah. yeah. So the Kinsman, the Kinsman club of Saskatoon, uh, you know, uh, gave us, they said they were going to give us $40,000 batching. We raised it in two and a half, three weeks. Like, um, the, the, the like the, the, this province is like, it's fucking humbling to be from this province for real. Like they, People continually step up. We get donations in $3 amounts, $5 amounts, $5,000. Like we get it across the board. And that the Kinsman, the Kinsman donation was really pulled together uh, by like mom and pops, $10 here, 20 bucks here. We had a couple of large donations, one from the Better Good and one from the realtor John Ashenburner. But like mm. for the most part, there was just these like small little donations and we were able to pull together, you know, $82,000 in like, two and a half weeks, like the community cares so, so fucking much. And it's, it's so shocking to see that our elected officials don't. And so it's just, we're in this weird spot where it's like, like they're, they're not listening to what, what's needed. They're not listening to their own data. Um, you know, we, the first time when we did the budget ask, we were, we were yeah, P's and Q's minded our own business. Like, yes, please. Yes, sir. Can we get it? And they told us no. And, you know, uh, Minister Ryder, who was the Minister of Health at the time, mm-hmm. called us and told us no. And they got us a couple of case managers to help us with our caseload. So we said, okay, like, at least you're at least you're recognizing that this is an issue and that we're valued and we're dealing with this. And we could hire a couple of caseworkers to deal uh, deal with our massive caseloads. Okay, so great. So, and then we're like, we're not going to, we're not going to come after you. COVID was hit. So we're going to play ball. We're going to put all our effort towards uh, you know, mining, helping the, on the COVID effort because we work with the health authority and like we work with directors, we work with nurses, we work with orderlies. Like, mm-hmm. we know how fucking hard those people work. Yeah. We didn't want to be trying to contribute to their issues or taking away focus and like it just didn't need to happen. And so we we really put it all eff- all out effort in trying to help the COVID effort with the vulnerable population. Then we started having people overdose on their back step. <laughs> Hmm. because we weren't open and people were overdosing on our back step. And, you know, there was one fucking time where I had to give somebody, a, I think it was nine shots in a lock zone. And I just thought, this is fucking crazy. Like, what are we doing here? 
we're being polite and as a result people are dying and nobody's showing any interest to do anything different so that was last J july our our tone changed drastically after after that revival and you know somebody potentially almost like they almost died you know 50 feet from our door it makes you question what the fuck you're doing and so we've taken we've shifted our tone like if you follow us on social media you know that we do not fuck around like yeah. we want answers we demand accountability and we're not going to do what's popular just because uh some people in power tell us that we can or can't do certain things we're gonna we're gonna do what's right you know and um it, it first i think it definitely cost us some community support but i think people have shown seen jesus these guys are fucking working harder than harder than we thought humanly possible like our staff our staff boogie like they they work very hard and um you know and i i try to replicate that up in into terms of the fundraising and the advocacy and that type of thing but like we've had like we had a client die we had a client die from an intentional overdose suicide because their needs weren't being met when we tried to send them to you know all the different systems that we're being told to send them to and and you know that was a fucking rough day this past january like my staff were asking me you know openly or through looks or just through the chatter which was like what the fuck are you doing to stop this mm -hmm. like you know and i like this is somebody that they when they were in our care in the consumption site we were able to stop we were able to do six multiple successful suicide interventions you know but it was it was when we were closed that uh and when we tried to get them into another facility um and they that facility didn't meet their needs and then you know, they left and killed themselves intentionally. And then, you know, my staff are thinking, we did our fucking job. Yeah. We're not paid at the same rate as the rest of these people. Like, if whether yeah. it's government or otherwise, like, our staff are not paid well, but they fucking come in and do the work with a goddamn smile on their face every fucking day. And yeah. they're thinking, why the fuck are we doing this if we can get them covered during the hours work that we have, we're supposed to have them covered for. We should be open later. We should be open around the clock, but we can't be. And we send them to the people that fucking are, and they can't handle it. And the person dies, Yeah, you know? And so then that comes back on me and it's like, you know, and it's like, yeah, what are we fucking doing? And so it's tough because we're just in this pressure cooker situation that I realize we sound like old man yelling at cloud all the time, but fuck we got it we got to do something because when we were nice we didn't get our way when we're when we're in their face we didn't get our way so fuck we may as well just do it how we want to do it and you know maybe they'll get on board in 10 years when they realize that they could have stopped you know 1200 saskatchewan residents from dying or whatever it's going to be by then um, maybe they won't i don't fucking know but we we can't wait for government to get on side with these issues because it's it's just like this moral moral missed opportunity where like people are dying because you're uncomfortable with the fact that we want to stop them from dying that's right yeah it's like i said the stigma is live and strong and they're just perpetuating it i got into addictions and i'm working i'm you know i'm a, uh, boots on the ground working and, and that is much more satisfying feels like i'm at, i really am doing more but we haven't been open since Christmas. We've had, I don't know, like since Christmas, I think we've had 10 or 12 former clients pass away. So they, and some of them, you know, called Pine Lodge to get back into treatment because they knew they needed the help and we're still closed. And not because of COVID. 
Yeah, that's fucked, man. So I, I feel for you, man. Yeah, like, like, uh, I definitely, when we got that, as I called it, the swift kick to the dick yesterday during the budget, um, you know, I was definitely dejected, discouraged, and then immediately the messages started pouring in, you know, immediately. And like the, and yeah. the donations started pulling in. And it's kind of crazy that the government's just fine offloading a health service onto small businesses and, uh, you know, in the, and, and citizens to donate on, but whatever. But like it's, the public cares, you know, and, and they, they care because this is their family. This is, you know, this is their neighbors. These are people that they grew up with. Ask any kid in high school right now if they know somebody that does drugs or somebody who's just like in the first one year or two in university. Ask them if they know somebody who does drugs and they'll all say yes. Yeah. Like these, uh, this is not, this is not those people anymore. This is us. And so what are we doing about us? You know, and yeah, yeah, like, you know, and like I go to talk to congregations at churches, I talk to community groups, you know, talk to unions, like, like people give a fuck, man. Like people really do care. That's right. Like, you know, and I think it's it's easy to get discouraged when you have, uh, you know, five, six people in power who clearly don't. But then when you have thousands of people in the province who who really do, who really do value people, you know, and I think that that, you know, and I, like when you look at like a good example is like the humble Broncos bus crash, like that, that everybody was just like this is fucking pointless, you know? And like everybody donated, everybody came together. And like, like we, we have record high organ donation rates now in the province because people care. And, and I think it's the same for the addictions crisis. I think people care. And I think that just like with the AIDS crisis in the eighties and nineties, eventually there, we're just going to get to this critical saturation point. You know, sadly, it's going to take time in people's lives, but eventually they were going to get to this critical saturation point where the government's going to have to do best practice. And yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they're going to see the light sooner than later. Like, but I'm not waiting for them and I'm not going to stroke their fucking ego so that they can feel good about making bad decisions on this file. Like it's not, if we can't speak truth to power, there's, we're fucked as a society, you know? And I yeah. think that that, that is the key mess the key message that i think we try to drive home is speak truth to power and speak it clearly and don't back down just because somebody clutches their pearls or gives you some bullshit antiquated made up story about what like when we were first opening the consumption site we'd often get up these made up stories people would say well what if somebody comes in and they're taking crystal meth and they overdose on crystal meth and and then at the same time you're going to have some a fight break out in the drop-in center and you're going to have somebody overdosing overdosing on coke and i want to know exactly what you're going to do with that and i was like well we got policies to deal with that we'll we'll triage and do it accordingly well no no i want to approve each policy and i want to i want to see it and then i also want to know what you're going to do if uh if you also need to start somebody comes in and they want naloxone training at the same time and I, and then you know i just said to them bitch i don't have to fucking get you on board with our policies we know what the fuck we're doing. Like, yeah, we're gonna do. We we're the best at what we do. Just let us fucking do what we do. There were the people think that they can nitpick this shit to death through through made up scenarios, but really these are these are like the life or death shit. We're fucking on. We know what we're doing. We have policies to deal with it. It's been fucking approved by Health Canada. Like we we know what we're doing. 
you know, and like we, we also work with organizations across the country, but a lot of times, you know, people will try to pick this, but, but really most people, most people actually do care about what's happening to, in this province and what's happening to their neighbor. I think sometimes we piss people off with our approach. We often get DM'd and people say, I don't agree with your approach. I agree with what you do. You know, and I, mm-hmm. and I say, good, you don't, you don't need to agree with our approach, but like we need, we need an in your face approach. Everybody wants us to be MLK, you know, yeah, and take it on the chin. Fuck that. For every MLK, there's a Malcolm X, you know, and we need to, we need to have both approaches in this province where, and if you, if you think we should advocate differently, you advocate in the way that you want to advocate, have at it. That's right. At the end of the day, it's going to take multiple different strokes for different folks to get different people on board. But I'm not going to pretend like we're not burnt out. I'm not going to pretend like we're not outraged. I'm not going to pretend like bad decisions are being made in Regina. And as a result, we're having 450 people die. Like, I'm not going to pretend like that's the case because you don't feel comfortable with us swearing. You don't feel comfortable with us, with us pointing out racism. You don't feel comfortable with us, whatever it is. Like we need to get uncomfortable because us being comfortable has caused this situation. So we need to get very, very comfortable with being uncomfortable. Exactly. It's uncomfortable to grow. Yeah. You're not growing if you're not uncomfortable. Yep. Um, I, I know what you're talking about, people nitpicking, because when we did try to move Pine Lodge to uh, Fort San, there was a petition going around uh, because it, everybody was worried that the value of their houses was going to go down. There were going to be piles of needles everywhere. Yet Pine Lodge was in Indian Head for 30 years and not a single syringe has been found. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's so, a treatment so center. That goes back to, but that goes back to why do you think the province doesn't fund needle pickups? Yeah. Like it, it promotes, it promotes the stigma. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever talked to, uh, the new minister, uh, Everett Hindley? Yeah, we've, we've talked a couple of times. Yep. We've met, hmm. you know, uh, first meeting was productive. We got our hopes up for sure. Uh, second meeting was a lot more, a lot more curt. We're hoping that we can work together, but like, you know, we're, we're not going to pull punches when a decision gets made that's not a great decision, but we've shown that we can work with, with this provincial government, like between the naloxone expansion, uh, drug pipes, uh, national HIV testing day, like we can play ball and we can like the, even the, the, um, policies for people on income assistance so they could work, uh, more hours and get paid better. Like, uh, mm-hmm. we've, sh- we, sh- we, we can work well and we can play ball, but they have to meet us halfway, you know, and, 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 and part of it is they, they have to get comfortable hearing things they don't want to hear because you can't yeah. just hear like, you can't just hear you're the shit all the time. Like we're rotten at the core right now on the addictions file. We need to talk about that and like talk about the amount of people are dying and be truthful. Is this effective or not? And what we're seeing is that we're seeing that it's not effective because we have record deaths. And so we need to change our approach. More treatment beds is great. Enhanced naloxone expansion is great, but that's not stopping the people from dying. So we need to try new approaches and that's where a service like ours comes into play. Like we're an innovative new approach and, you know, I, I get that it might be uh, stretching comfortability for them, but fuck man, like <laughs> being comfortable has got us into this, this bad spot that we're in. Yeah. So the budget last year or the budget this year for mental health and addictions, it's basically a carbon copy of last year in a, in a lot of ways. 
But last year there was no Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Mm-hmm. So do you think it like do you think this is just growing pains for a new ministry or do you do you think it's just all for show? I fucking hope so, man. I hope this is growing pains and I hope they learned some lessons in the last couple of days. Uh, next year or fucking later, like there's nothing stopping them from finding us right now. So yeah. we'll see if they, if they actually learn their lessons or are they just going to double down and say that what we're doing is working. And if, if this is a ministry for show, um, fuck man, we're going to have some big problems with each other because, um, I do not like double speak. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Uh, don't tell me it's a tragedy and then you don't do anything about it. Yeah. You know, I, I want, I want actions to match their words. Um, you know, so we're, hopefully this was just a growing pain year, but like, dude, everybody and their fucking dog knows that we should be funded. Yep. To me, it's, it's like, uh, old Taylor field. It was crumbling. It was falling apart. They kept putting band-aids on it. And that's the mental health addiction system to me. At some point, you just got to tear that bitch down and choose to make this a priority and just start it. Like, don't put seven and a half percent of the health budget into it. Like, for one time or two years, just rebuild this bitch from the ground and, you know, get it going. We could be the best at addictions. Like, we literally could. I absolutely agree. Like, you see, we have some of the best fucking nurses in the country. Like, we have some of the best outreach workers in the country. Like, we could be so fucking good at what we do, but we're being strangleholded on the financing. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's so, it's so frustrating, man. It's like, like, I don't know if you ever played any sports growing up, but it's like, it's like you, uh, you have all the talent on the bench. And the coach keeps telling you to dump the puck in, you know, and you're not, you, you have the talent to be a fucking tic-tac-toe offense. And the coach keeps telling you, dump the puck in. And if you don't dump the puck in, you get benched. Yeah. Let me fucking do a give and go on a one-timer. That's all we fucking want is a playbook that is going to be, that's going to work and utilize the talents we already have on the bench. Yeah. But we're not told that. We're told we're going to dump the puck in and we're going to fucking hold out and then maybe if we score a goal by luck, it'll be great. Yeah. And you can't fire a coach. <laughs> well, not yeah, for another like, four yeah. years anyway. Yeah, but it's like, uh, yeah, we're, yeah, man, it's, yeah, exactly. And it's like, <laughs> the thing is like, I, I've worked, I've worked with ministers in this government. I've worked with non-ministers in this government, MLAs. There's like, there's MLAs and SAS party MLAs, NDP MLAs, but like there's, there's ministers that give a shit. Yep. And when they get the gloves taken off and they can fucking do some damage, it's awesome. You know, but when we're being hamstrung constantly and like, I, I've heard very good things about Minister Henley. I want to see him. Yeah, I've heard. Like this too. is a, you know, and like, you can you can tell the guy's smart as fuck. Like the guy is smart. So just let him be smart on his file. 
Let him give him the money that he needs to fucking implement the things we can do, so we can do the things that we're capable of. Yeah, but we're we're not being given that, and so you know, it's just like you want to fucking you want to be on their side, you want to play ball, but if we keep getting these lame duck budgets and we keep getting double speak, what are we supposed to do? You know, and. I just, yeah, you see, you see these nurses that want to make a difference. You see these physicians, these young physicians that want to make a difference. You see these, you know, you see these mental health professionals that want to make a difference. These addictions workers, like you name it. There's all these people that want to make a difference. They want to do these services, but we're continually being told we can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating, man. Um, well, here's a positive. 90%, 90%, that's a lot of percent, of people 34 years or younger in Saskatchewan that were polled agreed that these types of sites should be widely available. Is there any satisfaction in knowing that? Yeah, there's going to be really good satisfaction when we roll these services out across the province in the next couple of years. Yeah. Like, um, you know, and, and... like 90%. I, I think there's a generational, div- yeah, there's a big generational divide and it's because people are sick of seeing their friends dying. And I hate to you make know, and this kind of stuff politi- political, but you, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I know people in the SAS party that are, I mean, probably just as frustrated as we are. But, you know, what their boss isn't, I don't know, it's... It's just frustrating. Yeah, but I think, you know, I think the the cause is growing. I mean, like it's it's definitely frustrating. I'm like I'm the type of guy who likes a fight. I've always liked to fight, <laughs> and so I'm not afraid to get in the fight. I've been shit kicked before. Like I can take it, you know. <laughs> and so I think. I think, and I think, I think this province likes people who work hard. Uh, I think they like organizations they work hard, and I think they like organizations to stand up for themselves and people to stand up for themselves. And yeah. and uh, that's exactly what we're doing. We're standing up for ourselves. We're standing up for our clients. We're standing up for our organization. Um, you know, and I, I think eventually we're going to have enough people that it's going to become undeniable. You know, I think it might take us a while to get there, but. You know, I, I, I just think you can't have the amount of people dying and that's 400 individuals that have died. That's 450 families. Those yeah. families got kids. Those families got grandkids. Those families got parents. Those families got grandparents. Yeah. The numbers are starting to, to go not in their favor. Like, it's like, okay, this person died good or whatever. And then like the detractors favor where they're like, okay, you know, because we see the social media boards where somebody will you know, have a burner account and then say, good, these people deserve to die. And they don't realize that like, it's not just them, it's their family. And it's this wide circle. Yeah. And so when you, when you have this many people, I had a, I had a friend of mine from high school messaging me today, telling about another friend of mine who's, who's got bad on an addiction that I, I didn't even know. And so now we're reaching out, trying to get, trying to get them supported if we can get a hold of them, you know, but it's like, these are, these are upstanding people in the community. Um, and they're just being taken 
to task by their addiction and they shouldn't have to die because they've had a bad couple of years. They, you know, we, we want to get them back connected with their kids, back connected with their family. It's, yeah, it's, it's just like, yeah, man. And it's, these are people you fucking love, you know, you grew up with them. And they're not all NDP or one party. These are, this is, I know lots of people that vote SAS party that are 100% on board with your, your, uh, consumption site yeah so it's like yeah man and, and like what would you tell me one other fucking consumption site in the entire country that had the police backing them yeah like we work well with Saskatoon Police Service like we we talk to them often like they're right from rank and file to to, to leadership yeah same in Regina like, and you, you you talk yeah you talk to the fucking cops on the beat man they're sick of arresting people because they fucking have a mental health issue yeah they, they want to get these people help. We had an incident in the fucking drop-in center that our staff couldn't handle because it was starting to get so violent. And we called the police in. And you know what that cop did? Did he come and arrest the guy? Did he, do, did he bash his head in? Did he do what? No, he convinced the individual to seek out mental health support. And then he took him to the mental health support. Yeah. Like, the, the cops are not... They're doing a different approach than they've done forever, you know, and for the longest time. And they want to do things differently. They're, they're sick. The Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police endorsed decriminalization of drugs in Canada. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Chief Evan Bray is very vocal about that. Yeah. Like we have, we have good leadership on the municipal level, both level, both mayors have endorsed harm reduction. Both chiefs of police have endorsed harm reduction. Our firefighters are some of our biggest backers. You know, we have, we have wide community support on, on, on these issues. Um, it's just, we're not, we just don't have it right now at the provincial level. And you can't have this saturation of people in the community that see addictions on a personal level. And then, you know, it gets dismissed as a, as a them issue or, you know, we can, we can only support so many communities. Well, fuck it's, it's drastically rolling out across the whole province. So you need to figure out a fucking plan and quick to deal with this for everybody because this isn't just a inner city thing. But it, again, it's it's hard to argue against the fact that we need a really big investment in Regina and Saskatoon. We make up over two thirds of the, of the population of the province. And as a result, we make up two thirds of the addictions crisis. Yeah. Um, do you want to, right now you've got another campaign going, the, the letter writing campaign. Do you want to kind of explain that a bit? Yeah, so uh, we we have a letter writing campaign on our website, prairiehr.ca. If you go there and click the letter writing tab, it gives you very simple instructions. It takes two minutes or less to do. You can just copy and paste the message, the email into your own email address. We give you the links to the addresses, the email addresses you need to send them to. You just copy and paste those, put them in your email address, and you fire the, that off. It's going to go to the Premier, the Minister of Finance, um, the, the Minister of Health, and the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions to let them know that um, not funding the prairie harm reduction is not okay. Uh, that they should be doing it and you don't want to know what they are doing or what they have done in the past, but you want to know what they're doing to stop the overdose deaths from happening here right now. And I think that's a very good question that they need to answer. Um, I don't want to hear that uh, current investment levels are adequate when you when you have folks dying. And I don't want to hear that it was a tight budget year when, you know, they seem to be fine climbing, climbing more and more debt. And this is a very small ask to deal with the highest service user demographic in Saskatoon with the most complex needs that nobody else seems to be able to deal with other than us. Yeah. And so, 
you know, uh, and for a 24 hour medical facility, um, like that, that is a cheap, cheap ask. And we also asked them for multiple price points. I don't know if I talked about that already, but we asked them, you know, for, uh, we asked them for 24 seven at 1.3 million. We asked them for till midnight at 900,000. We asked them for evenings at 600,000. And then for daytime at 400,000, we got the nine on all four asks. Well, man, is there anything else I missed? No, our new, our, our new clothing line's coming out, uh, April 22nd. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so if you, if you have the means to buy our merch, uh, check it out. April 22nd. And, but as I said, we sell out really, really fast. So I don't know if this is being released before then or after then, if it's after then, sorry, if it's before then, uh, mark your calendars cause it's going to be going on sale that morning and, uh, we expect it to go pretty quick. So Jason accidentally said February 22nd, but it's actually April 22nd. The new clothing line comes out and you can check that out on their website. Uh, so yes, April 22nd, Prairie Harm Reduction clothing line. Check it out. Thank you again for taking the time to talk to me, Jason. Uh, it was amazing talking to you. I have all the respect for you and your team and all the volunteers and all the people that buy your clothes, donate money and uh, support you so keep up the good work I know you're getting tired and you're getting burnt out you're getting frustrated but you know you're doing a great job take a day take a break for a day or two okay next week I promise it's Tristan DeRocher it just to refresh your memory he's the young indigenous fellow that walked from Larange all the way down to Regina set up a teepee on the uh, legislative lawn, set up a photo gallery of people that lost their lives, um, mostly to suicide, and uh, he spent 44 days fasting, um, 44 days to represent each MLA that voted down a, uh, a bill called the Suicide Prevention Bill. He is also a really good guy, great guy, and I, I really appreciate talking to him too, so check that out next week. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe, rate, and review however you are listening to this podcast. It only takes a moment, and it really helps the show out with getting noticed. This episode has been sponsored by Regina Plumbing and Heating. Call 306-585-2000 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. If you are having a mental health crisis, please call the Canadian Crisis Number at one 456 4566. In Saskatchewan, the mobile crisis team in Prince Albert is 306-764-1011. In Regina, it's 306-525-5333. And in Saskatoon, it's 306-933-6200. Don't forget to check out my children's book, Sometimes Daddy Cries. Sometimes Daddy Cries is told through the eyes of a boy whose father suffers from depression sees his dad get sad, rest, and even go to the hospital, all while comparing his father's depression to a physical ailment. Available on Amazon.ca. I'll see you next time. This is Todd Redebaum saying, make your beds and take your meds. Bye!